0: And it wasn't really until I came to Systema and learning a bit about breath work and seeing the, the results of correcting posture and correcting breathing and, and correcting movement in understanding the healing capacity of just not just doing things right, but just stopping doing things wrong. This is Glenn Murphy with NC Systema, and this is Systema for Life. Howie! Morning! How are um, you?
1: Good morning, good to be here.
0: Yeah, a lot more relaxed. So, uh, broadcasting from the home this evening, it feels like Sistema in cars getting coffee instead of like our usual yeah. uh, setup.
1: I'm <laughs> <laughs> on, on couches.
0: Yeah, <laughs> totally, bro. So, how have you been health wise? How's, how's, how's your personal health?
1: Um, well, my heel's on the mend.
0: That's good. Um, you had a plantar fasciitis thing going on? Yeah. 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 Mm. So,
1: I managed to, uh, to squeak out 23 miles on trails and roads this mm-hmm. weekend, and it's not hurting that much. So
0: that's pretty good. And yeah. you got over that doing kind of pretty much recovery exercises for it. Right. In the end, rather than passive work, you were doing like kind of weightlifting for, for heels and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. It, it, yeah it's at some point there's almost nothing that, that shouldn't be healed by working at it. Right. <laughs> so some, yeah. some things, you know, like rest is good, but at a certain mm-hmm. point, yeah. Like, it's active.
0: It's use it or lose it. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, that brings us neatly onto what we're going to talk about today, which is is on healing, which is something that you have uh, quite a bit of Mm -hmm. expertise and uh, experience with. And um, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about different kind of paradigms of healing. And this was inspired largely, actually, by a guest on your Plant Yourself podcast, um, Dr. Wayne Jonas, I think it was, who was Mm -hmm. on there maybe a month or so ago. Um, And he, how would you describe him? I think it said on the on the thing that he was like a healing-based practitioner, which to me, like a doctor having to describe themselves as healing-based is kind of crazy. It seems like it would be redundant. But how would you... And I know he did a lot of work in kind of allied... Allying Western and kind of traditional medicine. And he was on the NIH NIH board for kind of looking at that, right? How would you describe him?
1: Yeah, I guess he's just a doctor who sort of got an international education. I think he was... Mm. was, you know, affiliated with the military, so traveled around the world yeah. and had an open mind towards practices that Western science would say are unproven. Yeah. And be and looked beyond sort of the the beliefs into like what what is what underlies the all these methodologies and these philosophies of healing that she found like, you know, there was in Ayurveda, for example. Yeah, there were things that worked, even though they didn't map onto our Western understanding. Sure. Yeah. And so, deciding like you know what healing is different than just you know drugging or treating or sure. operating on. There's something else that goes on. And, and and he also got fascinated by the placebo effect. Yeah. And and instead of what Western science tries to do is um, to basically erase it. Yeah. Through double blind or triple triple blind controlled yeah. trials. Say, well, if the placebo effect is so strong, what is it? Yeah. And can we harness it? And, sure. can, and can we harness it in a way that's ethical?
0: Yeah, it's funny because I, um, I was at a conference um, representing Burroughs Welcome Fund a, a few years ago, and it was on um, scientific, uh, work at the scientific interfaces. So it was people working between existing fields. right? And, uh, and one of the speakers there gave an hour and a half long talk on her research on the placebo effect and how powerful it was and how... Um, it's, you know, RCTs and things like that are, are, have had so much trouble er- eradicating it. And so they're trying to set it up essentially as a control, but because the placebo effect is there, it's always messing with things. And it's so powerful in some of them that it's making medicines that, that work look bad you know like and and vice versa a lot of the time you know so it's um so it's so that idea that the placebo effect is kind of like the dirty secret of western medicine's right? everybody kind of knows that it's more than just a little bit of kind of like well i think i'm gonna get better so that i will that there's real mechanisms there's and now there's a like whole fields of like psychoimmunology right that are, that are basically springing up around the placebo effect and and allied effects in the body right
1: Right. And one of the things that he was talking about with me is this. I can't remember the, the, the technical term. He used, but basically a, a revealed placebo yeah. where we're not trying to fool people, but we're, t- we're telling people this is a placebo. Yeah. Most people who take it feel better. Right. Yeah. And it still works. <laughs> it right? still works. Like, yeah. So yeah. like it's, it's there's something. Um, metaphorical about taking a pill that acts on a part of us that doesn't have to believe it consciously
0: sure yeah it's like the ritual is ingrained in some way and just performing the ritual starts to kick off a process whether or not the the pharmacology is the same yeah yeah so um so so i think he talked about um i might be wrong here pulling out he kind of contrasted the western what he called like the west standard western health paradigm which is kind of like the diagnostic um the diagnostic model where you basically just look at as many symptoms as you can, and then you try to diagnose one or more problems that fit into neat boxes of what people suffer from, right? And and then you essentially treat those symptoms or what you believe they point at with um, pharmaceuticals, or surgery, right? That's that's the prime kind of thing. And to a lesser extent, like some lifestyle intervention things, typically like radical diet change can be in there, but it's often kind of fairly scattershot the, the, the recommendations. They'll be like, yeah, just go on a low calorie diet, lose a bunch of weight or a low fat diet. Some doctors are even recommending ketogenic yeah. diets and things like that. It's, it seems to be all over the shop, right? Um, and then exercise, typically it's just like, well, exer- just cardiovascular exercise, that's all you need, right, to kind of get going. But for the most part, anything that falls outside of those, of like uh, pharmaceuticals, surgery, uh, a bit of cardiovascular exercise, and, um, and possibly just like a generalized diet change, like let's try and get off the standard American diet a little bit. Anything outside of that is looked at as alternative or ancillary medicine, right? It's, it's basically, it's, it's unproven that it's outside of those. And, um, and I was reading... Um,
1: well, and, and yeah. it's unproven by the, the standard of the, ran, the randomized clinical the trial.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right?
1: And it's really hard to randomize people... Yeah. To lifestyle changes. Sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there's so, lots of things that so, aren't usually so picked the, up. So the
1: things, the things that we see as the gold standard of treatment are the mm. things that are proven by the tool that we've chosen. To hold up as the gold standard
0: sure yeah so we're kind of putting a filter on it that's yeah. cutting off a whole bunch of different possibilities in a sense right um and then if and then he i think he contrasted that with like the eastern health par- um, paradigm which is exemplified by ayurveda He talked about as well um chinese traditional medicine um and systema to a degree right and um, the same kind of thing which it, and these are all kind of holistic models um, and the idea of that is is that yeah you look at you look for patterns um so it might be patterns of movement it might be patterns of um Symptoms in the same way that uh, a Western doctor might look at them as well. Um, but then the goal is to try and kind of look at the root causes and then treat the treat the problem on a whole. And that might mean some combination of pharmaceuticals in the in the shape of herbs or something like that, right? Um, or diet change that incorporates certain foods, like whole foods, instead of just the extracts, basically. And with those, you get all the cofactors and all the enzymes that have evolved over millennia to, to help us digest them or process them in a certain way. Um, and then physical manipulations, like large scale physical manipulations, ranging from like yoga through acupuncture, acupressure, um, Massage of varying types and systems. We have like the pressing massage, stepping massage, stick massage, whip. If you really want to get into it, and other um, you know other traditions have their own forms of massage. There's Ayurvedic massage, right, and there's um, Thai massage. They have a whole health system that goes around that as well. Um, and then also this idea that there's a necessary change in like philosophy or like the way that you think about the whole thing. Um, and a big, a lot of them have a big influence also on kind of like sleep, waking patterns as well. There's a what we'd now call circadian biology and circadian rhythms and things like that as well. So there's more, it seems to me, in the Eastern health paradigm of a kind of of an insistence of like agency, like you're taking responsibility for your yeah. your healing, right? Whereas in the Western health paradigm, which has been so successful for some things like uh, infectious disease, for example, like if you have a bacterium, you know, if I have like a really nasty throat infection that just won't heal up. I'm not gonna go hope that an Ayurvedic medicine person can cure it for me over the, over the course of weeks. They might or they might not. I will go to the doctor and say, carpet bomb this with antibiotics if you can, because it's just right. not going away, right? And so for certain things, it works spectacularly well, well or your, your appendix bursts, right? You, you need surgery. You need to get that thing out of there and you need to be stitched up under aseptic conditions so that you're okay again afterwards. Um, but I think because of the overwhelming success of this in some areas, it's blown up into both a like a like a philosophical model or, or, or an approach, and also let's face it, an economical model, right? There's a lot of money in producing the pharmaceuticals and there's a lot of money in the surgery and the recovery and all that kind of stuff as well. So it's now hard for anybody that starts to offer something else, right? To compete with that model. Um, and yet some of these other things can work as well or better than surgical interventions. So, I mean, and I see it all the time in in terms of people with movement problems, and like, uh, like plantar fasciitis, something like that, right? You go to a surgeon and say, my foot has been hurting for ages. They're, they want to operate on it. They're like, yeah, if we just cut that open I can kind of rearrange right. things, that okay.
1: people yeah. are offering you know shots, either yeah, yeah. steroid shots sure. or the prolotherapy, sure. or the sucrose.
0: Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Right. About it.
1: Well, so I think that, I mean, to me that the big philosophical difference is where healing comes from. Okay. So in the West, healing comes from the outside something is done to you because because we have a basically you know our medicine Sort of got its feet in a very mechanistic era. Yeah. So we're machines, yeah. and when sh- machines break, they don't fix themselves. Right. Someone comes and fixes. The mechanic them. Mechanic comes in, fixes. New, them. new part. Tinkers with something.
0: Bit of oil, but WD forty. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah WD forty or duct tape. Yeah, One of right. those works on everything.
0: Right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of what's happening now, right? It's just like well, let's oil that. Let's just inject in some some saline, and then we'll wrap it with a uh, with exercise tape, right? right, right. Outside so, <laughs> duct tape for the CrossFit generation. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So whereas in the Eastern paradigm, the idea is that the healing comes from within. Yeah. And so Eastern modalities tend to be very curious about health. Yeah. The West isn't very interested in health. The Mm. West, you know, doctors don't learn how things are supposed to work. They Mm. learn how things break down.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: The, the, The vast majority of most medical education is pathology. Right. Yeah. And so when you, we, so the, and so, you know, most doctors have this assumption. Well, the body breaks down. Some people have lemons, mm. and so we're the heroes mm. who come in and you know, duct tape and, and, yeah. crank, uh, and crank and crank yeah. and bailing wire and sure. and put things back together as best we can. Yeah. Uh, but the body itself is not a trustworthy entity. Yeah. To do to, the healing. To do the healing itself, or to or to be intuitive about what kind of healing needs to happen.
0: Yeah, and to be fair, I mean, the, like I said, that has we've got a long way with that model, and we've made massive advances, and our life expectancy went way up relative to areas that didn't have access to Western medicine, medicine for a long time, right? Especially on specific things like if the body, if the car really is broken, if you've crashed it and you've got a punctured lung and a sucking pneumothorax and it's yeah. bleeding all over the place, then you need a trauma surgeon, right? And they're going to fix that a lot better than somebody who's doing, I know, like faith healing. In like in Indonesia or something, who's like waving a like a, a dead squirrel heart in your face or something and pretend to take it out of your body, right? If the car is broken, it needs fixing, right? Like, in that way, right? But unlike a car, like you said, the human body does have the capacity to heal itself, and even actually on kind of on a level that we wouldn't expect. Sometimes, uh, you know, I used to write um, books on biology for kids, like on, on the human body and healing and all that kind of stuff. Written a whole bunch of books, and and when I wrote the book about um, wrote the book about the human body and its systems. Uh, there was a whole part in the musculoskeletal system, where one of the questions was, was like, well, how do how do doctors heal broken bones? That was the question, and I said they don't doctors don't heal broken bones at all all they do is um, make sure they're lined up properly and then they keep them still and then the body heals the broken bone right there is nothing and if it's like horribly smashed to pieces then they might have to like rivet some bits together right to hold them straight while the bone heals itself still and all that kind of stuff right but for the vast majority of people and the vast majority of breaks the the goal is just keep it still so it can heal itself and in japan and some other places you don't even have a cast on your on your arm or your leg, you know, you literally just are expected to stay very, very still. There's bone setting, mm. and then you just stay very, very still for the period while it's. You, you don't actually wrap it all up and do all those things because they, they quite rightly recognise that there's problems that come with putting things in a cast. You know, the muscles atrophy and other things happen as well as you start to work, um, and you get like skin problems and you might get infections on the surface, stuff like that. So. In the case of a bone, and that was mind blowing to a whole bunch of kids and parents and teachers that read this book who didn't really understand this, what happens. When a bone shatters, right, you've got broken edges, and then provided you hold them somewhere in proximity to each other, then within a very short time, it essentially forms the equivalent of a blood clot, right? Just kind of like a soft, squishy, gooey kind of. Um, almost like crazy glue solution that just about holds the ends of the bones together. And if you don't mess with that, then over time that forms a more fibrous callus. And then eventually the osteocytes move in and that um, lays down more calcium and lays down more bone tissue. And in the end you have bone that's not only as strong as it was before, but it's very unlikely to ever break in, break in that place again. It actually gets bigger than, than it was before. There's like a bone out. There's a big bulge where you had the break. And then it takes another series of cells called osteoclasts to shave them down to normal bone length again. So it's actually stronger in that place than it ever was before. And it'll never really re-break in that place unless you're extraordinarily unlucky, right? Um, so to so me, that was mind-blowing to a lot of people. are like, wow, your body does that on its own. It's like, yeah. And it recovers from injuries that you do to your brain like all the time that I tried really hard to kill my brain with booze when I was at university, right? But <laughs> it managed not to kill it, right? And it used to be thought that brain cells just die and don't regrow again. But now we know that there's neurogenesis all over the brain and there's an exercise can stimulate it and certain foods can help stimulate it and sleep certainly stimulates it. So so now we know that the body's in a constant state of regeneration, right? It's It's more of a race. It's like, how strong is your... Regenerative capacity, your like X Men Wolverine capacity, versus what you're trying to do to destroy it through diet and through certain types of movement, right? And the thing, and and stress, and what you're putting on your body. So it's it's constantly a battle, and it's not really just the case that your body sits there in equilibrium. It's it's in disequilibrium the whole time. It's just like a battle to stay alive. So the goal should always be to try and empower the body to heal faster than it breaks. And I think that was even though I kind of learned that sideways through studying kind of bone healing and stuff like that and physiology when I was at university I still never really saw it in that light I still saw it as that the doctors heal you right the, the pathological model was deeply ingrained through mm-hmm. my education and it wasn't really until I came to Sistema and and learning a bit about um breath work and seeing the, the results of correcting posture and correcting breathing and and correcting movement in understanding the healing capacity of just not just doing things right but just Stopping doing things wrong, right if you can just stop doing the stupid stuff for a little while, your body will become healthy, it will right. become vibrant, and it will become resilient to future assaults right and that idea was it's crazy to me that I, that didn't even really occur to me until I was like thirty three years old you know or something like that yeah.
1: so. right. well you know in the uh, the nutrition community that i 'm a part of one, you yeah. know, the, one of the metaphors is you know if you, um, get, you know sprain your ankle or, or you know get a, a bang and then three times a day, you continually like hit the same spot. Sure, yeah. It's never going to heal, mm. and yeah, you know, the metaphor then is food. Yeah, right? like if we're consistently like you know, our bodies start healing after not eating crap for like twelve hours. Right. Like they're, they're like, oh cool, let you know now yeah. we can put resources to this. Yeah. Um, the other the other thought is like you talk about bone healing in Japan is very different, even though it's it is a a medical intervention. Yeah, we're we're seeing not just with chronic disease, but we're seeing the 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 end of the utility of the Western model, even in areas where it has shown. I just saw a study this week about um, heavy use of antibiotics in kids mm. leads to something like a sixty-four. I'm pulling the number. It's close to that percent increase in um, mental issues. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Later in life because, you know, yeah, has, carpet oh, bombs the microbiome microbiome. Yeah, yeah. You know, so from from depression to, yeah. for, to ADHD mm. to bipolar. Yeah. So so like, you know, we again, we a car mechanic understands that the different parts are discrete. You yeah. can replace the motor you can replace the camshaft I'm, yeah. I'm using words like I know what they mean yeah. <laughs> just to you know, be, be masculine with just, your just,
0: uh, yeah change the dolphin points and the and uh, almost pipe trench just fall those out it'll be fine <laughs> 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 there's a brilliant uh, Bill Bailey sketch he's a comedian British comedian when right. he says that and he goes uh, men when, you know women when they take the car to the mechanic they'll just be like just make it work you know <laughs> and when men go to the uh, mechanic they always have to offer an opinion as to what it might be and it's just like yeah it's I mean I think it's the uh, dolphin point. All the, uh, I don't understand I mean it's got all new mats I changed all the rubber mats I don't know why it's not working I <laughs> will come up with anything to look knowledgeable but anyway yeah. I don't understand.
1: well and so does medicine
0: right yeah
1: right. So, so much of that is idiopathic but we think you know you think by affecting one part of the body it's not necessarily going to affect the other parts yeah but you know I mean systema is a a system that understands that it's a system yeah I think the word systema yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm pretty sure it means system right yeah the system that's it yeah exactly that yeah. we are systems and we're not discrete uh, inventories yeah you can just you know like I can't tell how many times working on a different part of the body has healed another part or, or yeah. in, in Systema working working the feet makes mm. my hands more free
0: sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's this, this coming we, um, last week this last week we've been working on striking and the cycle that we've gone through and um. In uh, Raymond Demery, one of our instructors, on Sunday in his class, he just had um, for the first half an hour, pretty much all we were really doing was working on the feet and the calves, just trampling, stomping against the wall, just really mashing the hell out of them, making sure they're completely loose, and it just made everybody's strikes so much heavier. You could see what was going on. It's like if the if the calves are tight, then like the the ability to kind of transfer power from the floor. Up through your body and into your hands is is stopped at the very first junction basically right so that's, so that's another kind of way of looking at it you know so um, but yeah it's, uh, so so looking at system is kind of like a healing practice right and, and obviously this goes super super deep and for people that are really interested in um, how this works I mean obviously i'd really recommend um like vladimir's book like let every breath and um and Konstantin Komarov's even his standards uh, training manual in the second uh second section when he talks about stress and health as it relates to systema, has a lot to say about like how the body comes together and all the mechanisms and things like that as well um, and Matt Hill in the UK as well has some excellent books on that he has like 20 Systema health practices and, hmm. um, and, and they're really really good he just kind of like picks things out simple so, things that you can are do are they available out here? Uh, they are yeah I think you can get them on um, Kindle like Amazon Kindle um, if not actual print. You might be able to get them print as well. But you def- I've got the Kindle versions and they're great. They're really good. So I recommend those. And I'll stick those in the show notes for people who haven't read them. Gene Smithson, too, has had some really great books. He's been on the uh, podcast before. He's got um, one called Breathwork, you know, 20 Exercises for, for Breathing. And it's, re- and it's very, very good. Very progressive. Gets you into it. Um, but just as a kind of as an overview, right? we have these four principles. We have the breathing, structure or posture, right? Um, movement and relaxation. And I can already see, actually, how a lot of movement culture, so let's start with that one, right? There's everything from, like, the Edo Portal, kind of functional movement, primal movement, people crawling and you know, monkey movements and screaming around and all that kind of stuff. You can see more and more of those things happening. Like about 10 years ago, you had the beginnings of it, but you mostly like CrossFit was dominating everything and everybody just wanted to be a weightlifter or a gymnast, kind of that way, right? And now you have more and more of these offshoots. There's so many different right. yeah, the kind mo- of primal movement the, things the, going the,
1: on. The movement world was limited to like ballet dancers and musicians. Yeah. Who, who needed, who were doing these repetitive strain injuries all the time and they sure. needed to do you know, Alexander technique or Feldenkrais. Yeah. Or Raymond Dart exercise Exercises. Sure. You know, I was doing that stuff in the '80s, and mm. no one was doing it in the '80s. Yeah, right.
0: You were, you know, like movement hipster. You were doing it before it was even cool. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quite, yeah, I knew Moshe filled and crazy
1: before anybody knew. That's
0: yeah. <laughs> right. But um, but yeah. So, but but we see like within sistema immediately, right? So the exercises that we have at the beginning of every class, um, that that relate to movement, right? So we have crawling without the arms and legs, we have like crawling on hands and feet, we have push-ups where people are pushing at you while you're moving, while you're trying to do push-ups, people hitting you with sticks while you're trying to do squats, right? All of these kind of things that go from, and there's a crossover between structure and movement, we'll come onto that in a minute, but just this, Emphasis on individual joint mobility, first of all, right? So that gives you the freedom of movement within areas of the body that were otherwise trapped, right? And that not only improves your quality of life because you can just move your shoulders better and you're less likely to injure them. But as you said, like as one part of the body becomes trapped to like Buckminster Fuller's tensegrity principle, it tends to tie to everything else. And we know this now through like fascial trains and all those kinds of things. And it will, for example, the back of your shoulder is trapped, it will pull the opposite hip out of position then that will affect the way that you run. And then multiply that by 23 miles and you've got a serious ankle injury, right? Or a knee injury like that way because your shoulder was buggered, right? Yeah. That's So once you start to free up individual parts of the body or the neck, right? So many people carry so much tension or immobility in their neck and in their lower back. And if those are held too rigid, every single like bounce when you're running or every single kind of explosive movement you make when you jump or let like, swing a kettlebell or something, it goes straight to your neck or to your lower back, right? And again, multiply that by a decent number of repetitions whatever it is you're trying to do to get strong right and you that becomes the weak link in the chain you'll just end up injuring yourself and then you can't get strong all over because that one part of your body was immobile so this emphasis on creating freedom by freeing up the individual bits of the body first i think that's absolutely uh, invaluable right that idea that you can isolate and mobilize all these areas and then Looking at gross mobility, like we actually study walking. We actually study how to get up off the ground, how to get up out of a chair, right? Which in many medical communities, especially as it relates to gerontology and aging, right? That's a key measure of how healthy you are. Once you get past like 70, they're like, how how long does it take you to get up? Like literally that's like a core measure, right? And okay. the, the answer for a systemic person is about a second, about a second and a half with decent breathing and feeling good. The answer for somebody who's just allowed themselves to slide is just like, mm, might be like, 90 seconds and with, and with a great deal of help and levering off furniture and things, you know, yeah, so
1: a- we have, we have clients who come to well start. Yeah. So like I, I fell and I couldn't get up. Yeah. Like, like, like I didn't, I didn't want to die because yeah. no one, I couldn't lift myself up I and mean, they, you know, they have uh, you know, serious you know, weight issues and, it's, yeah. you know, it's not just like lack of joint mobility. Yeah. But that's, uh, like that's a weird thing for a a large percentage of a species yeah to to not be able to be mobile independently
0: yeah i mean it's i mean it's literally that selection pressure is gone right because we don't have to most of us don't have to farm or catch our own food anymore right if you had to farm or catch your own food the inability to move would mean you didn't get to eat right? right and therefore you don't survive and you don't pass on your genes but that's been removed in the same way that short-sightedness is fine now right mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just corrected for so more and more of the population becomes short-sighted which is fine um but yeah that that emphasis on movement into into age is so critical and like that alone for me is worth the price of admission and for a lot of people um, who come to sistema like later in life and keep training? They're like, yeah, it's it's got me a lot more mobile than I was, um, and that's that's just worth it. Just showing up to do that, provided they don't get injured, <laughs> then it's it's invaluable in that, right? Um, and then also, what comes with that pliability is the decreasing likelihood that you'll actually injure yourself, for the most part, unless you're silly about it. Uh, you know, you if you're very very stiff, if your hips are held stiff and you're knees are very very inflexible and you haven't got a lot of play in your ankles you could step off a curb you know carrying a little bit of light shopping and that could turn into a really nasty ankle strain that will keep you sitting still for like three to four maybe six weeks as it heals up and then that during that time your muscles atrophy, you probably put on weight, you probably get depressed, and all of your other health practices kind of fall down in this big cascade just because you had a shitty ankle, right? <laughs> but, so so this is this you can't account for everything and we're all we're always gonna get wear and tear as we go through life. But the more kind of anti fragile we can make our bodies by making them pliable, not like super strong, not super rigid, but pliable, that's an enormous deal. You know, And I've you know, I've talked before about how I was in a car crash last year and walked away completely unscathed apart from the wallet, you know, and um, you know, I've had a couple of issues like this, and it's, um, and it's, it's a big, big deal, just want
1: to say. And what, one of the things that we do in Systema a lot is to intentionally immobilize mm. or handicap ourselves. Yeah. So blindfolded or hands tied behind our back or can't use our legs. Sure. And I have to introduce you to my, uh, to my buddy Tom Delonzo Baker, okay. who's a visionary physical therapist who who talks about... Um, like an animal in the wild, like, you know, who gets an injury, an injured mm. limb, they don't sit around for six weeks waiting for it to heal. Right. They're moving the other limbs. True. Yeah. And, you know, when they, when they find animals who've had bones bre- broken mm. without being set or anything, like, mm. you can't find the break. Right. Whereas in humans, you almost always can see mm. where the problem was that, mm. you know, that, that when I do get injured, mm. it doesn't mean I'm laid up. Right. Like, even yeah. if I'm, you know, my back is out and I'm in bed, I can still... Yeah. You know, from a systema mentality I'm still yeah. trying to move everything I can move and so I don't atrophy in the same way yeah. that that westerners who were told to for be, to get bed rest
0: yeah and that, that's key again like there's mindset shifts in this and even though I on an intellectual level I kind of know this stuff and knew this stuff coming up so when I injured you know I had a really bad rib injury I like, cracked a rib um a few years ago up at HQ and after it happened Vladimir was checking it out and he was just like knees he goes it's not good and you know you should have moved better you should <laughs> yeah. you should have got let him crack your rib be like that's your fault for being too stiff in the first place so well, that's the agency but then afterwards he was just like you know it's he goes it's not fun when you get an injury but it's good for you actually because you have to learn to move around it and He goes, you've got to learn to not protect it and shell up but learn to how to make everything else super mobile and he's, mm. he even advised me to lead with the injury so like lead with your broken rib when somebody's approaching you and looking to grab or fight and be like here it comes you know and then he said to treat it as if you're escaping from a hole on yourself as if somebody's clinging to that part of your body and you have to escape from that first before you can escape from the other guy or work with the other guy right and that was a fascinating concept to me it was just like you know what? This is going to make you better. Having this injury is going to make you better, right? And you can see sometimes you see athletes, right? You've seen like college wrestlers with like who are para- you know, quadriplegic or something, like not, almost no arms and no legs, and they find a way to wrestle, and they're, and they're inspiring, right? A lot of them do stage talks and things like that. And you're like, wow, if that person can learn to do that with that much dexterity, what's my excuse? You know, it's kind of that way, right? And that this, this idea of continuing to move what train around injuries obviously there's an acute phase and you, m- you want to make sure you don't kind of make things worse but there's immense value to getting back to training as soon as you can and i've done i've done this with like a back injury I had like a you know extruded discs a few years ago and i literally suffered from it from approximately i think it was something like a week uh, maybe it was maybe three weeks before it was completely gone right i had two extruded discs and in three weeks i was back to exactly how i was beforehand right and i've known people with slip discs who are so-called slip discs who like years afterwards they're re-injuring them there things happening i've never had a recurrence of that problem right um and that was purely through getting back into movement and doing small breathing exercises and mobilizing everything around those areas while i could right and then gradually working my way in towards the immobile a- area so so that whole idea of mobilizing and there's it also ties in a little bit with kind of um maybe we'll come on to that in the in the other bit about relaxation but when you start to think about like, uh, we've been talking a lot about Porges' polyvagal theory, right? And this mm-hmm. idea that um, when you're healthy, you're mobilized, right? And you're mobilized without fear, right? You're socially engaged, you're meeting people, you're, you know, trying mating behaviors, things like that. Um, and you're kind of mustering resources. And then the next phase, the um, the the panic stage is like, mobility but with fear right it's panicked Mm. movement and the stage beyond that when you feel like you're like injured or down or defeated or something like that is characterized by fear and immobility so it strikes me that when you get something like a back injury or something that stops you from walking um, and then you're afraid to move or train right that it's actually cycles in on itself right Mm. and that immobility with fear keeps you in that state and that alone will keep you from healing, right? What you really wanna do is push yourself back into the healthy part of the parasympathetic um, in order to allow your body to heal itself, the real rest and digest phase, not the defeat phase and that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And I think, I honestly think that people, and this is not, there's no judgment on this, but I, I see people just convinced that this, you know, this is the way it is now. I have this back injury and this is my life and that's all I can do about it. And they believe that to be true and therefore it is true. and And they immobilize it psychologically and therefore it will never immobilize and it never gets the opportunity to heal itself. don't miss your chance to train with Senior Systema Instructor Martin Wheeler at the four-day Masterclass, North Carolina, October 10th to 13th, 2019. The theme this year is Soft Work to Full Speed, a progressive multi-day exploration of fighting tactics, covering basic moving and striking, advanced grappling and takedowns, full speed knife and stick work, and tapping the unconscious mind in combat. The event is strictly limited to 35 persons, and advanced pricing is $650 for both days by April the 1st, with the option of a non-returnable deposit of $150 to hold your spot. Register online at ncsystema.com events, or email us for more details.
1: Back to Western medicine, we have mm. all these diagnostics that convince people that that's the case. Yeah. Right. I remember when I got a back X-ray because I'd had back problems for a long time. I got a back X-ray and then they showed me I had spina bifida occulta, mm. like the, the fusion of two vertebrae. Mm. And like for years, that picture was in my head. Mm. Like, oh well, that's why. Yeah. And there's nothing. You know, maybe my, you know, I have a little neural tube de- defect from my birth. My mother mm. might have smoked. Mm. For a few weeks before she knew she was pregnant, and that's what. Like, I'm broken. Mm. And it's taken me a long time. Mm. And and you know, in doing a lot of science, a lot of studies of the utter lack of correlation between pain and things that we find on X-rays. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, oh, all these people with with uh, slip discs and they have pain. Mm. Well, look, there's all here. Let's do a randomized study. Let's look at all the people with slip discs with no pain and all right. the people with pain and no slip discs. It turns yeah. out there's yeah. no correlation whatsoever. Right. Except once once you've been spellcast. Yeah. By medicine. Yeah. It's really hard. It take it takes. A huge shift of mentality to to free yourself from a diagnosis.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, so let's let's skip from there, from movement, then into into structure a little bit, because um, that that will seem to kind of. Uh they kind of go together right the whole way so and this is the other thing about the health system system that i find really interesting it's not like you need to improve your breathing so your breathing gets better and improve your movement so your movement gets better posture so but you know it's, those things are kind of looked at individually a lot of the time again in the in the western paradigm like if you fix your posture then that will be better and and that's for its own sake right but in system where we understand this core interrelation between posture and breathing, between posture and movement, right? That it will allow the other things that having strong structural posture, gives you the capacity to relax, right? Um, and some of this has actually been, again, picked up on, I see it increasingly in kind of a fitness, um, fitness programs, like this idea, you know, judging from like, um, ranging from Pavel Tatsulin's like strong first program, the idea that like, look, look, you can work on mobility, you can work on explosive strength, you can work on just like how much stuff can I actually lift, you know, static strength and that kind of stuff. Um, and then you can work on skill and dexterity and powering around speed and endurance and all those kinds of things. Um, but his kind of underlying thing is like, look, if you're not strong first, if you don't have an underlying um, amount of kind of integral strength to your body, like the like integrity, to your joints and your muscles and not and to be able to lift X amount, but like maybe to be able to do a pull-up or to be able to like do a sit-up without like curving yourself and throwing your arms and things like that. But once you have that level of integral strength, then you have the luxury of being able to work on endurance and explosive power and all these other things to your heart's content because you're probably not gonna injure yourself and, and that foundation underlies everything else. But if you don't work on that, if you're fundamentally not strong and you're trying to be super agile or super mobile, you're just setting yourself up for defeat in the long run, right? And to me, that's one of the things that the study of structure and posture in Sistema does. It's like um, on the one hand, it's just talking about alignment, right? That if you align your body very, very well from the, you know, the strengthness of your spine to the alignment of your knees and elbows as you move or, you know, finding yourself in positions literally where you feel stable and well aligned with gravity, where gravity is not pulling on you in such a way that you're having to buttress it with uh, muscular strength, right? That you're, you can use a minimal set of antagonistic muscles to hold yourself in that position, then you're comfortable. Like literally that's what defines comfort. It's hard to stay comfortable in like a back bend, right? <laughs> because you're holding that whole art structure up, right? But it's easy to stay comfortable in a straight up standing position, right? You can hold hold it for hours, but you couldn't with a slight tw- 20 degree forward lean, right? You wouldn't be able to hold that for more than 20 minutes probably. Um, so this idea of alignment and like ease as, as you structure yourself, right? Um, feeding into power right that that's enormous and then we we take that and then we say okay if we do put ourselves in a structure which is difficult like a forward leaning rest like a static push up position right Given that there's like loading going on through our arms and through our legs and through our spine, like how do we structure ourselves in that position so we're using the minimum of excess tension and still kind of reinforce ourselves or in a squat, right? You could lean forward in a squat and throw your arms out as many fitness people do, but it doesn't, that might give you stronger legs, but then it doesn't, you can't hold on to it for as long and you don't reinforce the whole structure. So it's about How do you find comfort and power in all of these positions? And then once you do that, you can hang out longer in those positions. Do more push-ups, more squats, slower push-ups, slower squats, squats with mobility, push-ups with mobility. And then you're building real integral strength, right? So it gives you this foundation that you need to be able to do other things in a very, very basal level that I've not really seen addressed anywhere else except for maybe something like Pilates or do you know what I mean like Pilates you see bits of that going
1: on there well I certainly I've certainly been taught by people who want me to get stronger Mm. to whatever you're doing do it under maximum tension Mm. right so let's let's do the plank and let's make sure that I'm pushing my Hands into the ground, you know, into the ground as hard as I can. Squeeze I'm, your butt as I'm, hard as you can. Yeah, I'm squeezing my elbows away from each other, mm. as opposed to when I think of a, you know, a systemic position. Mm. It's get into the position and do as little as possibly can to stay there.
0: Sure. Yeah. Um. But I'm, re- I'm reminded of um, like Einstein's maxim in this one, which is like, make it as simple as possible, but no simpler. Right. Mm. So there is a danger in that as well. Like, the, if you get into that position and let your back sag, for example, you can kid yourself that you're relaxed. And you're actually floppy and you're just shifting the tension somewhere else and loading it. So there is like a minimal level of tension that's required, but it's about how do you spread that across the whole mm-hmm. body?
1: But I guess yeah. the, I mean, the, the length of time is the diagnostic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, like when you said you could stand for hours, I remember times in my life where I couldn't stand for five minutes. Yeah. Right. And, and standing for five minutes was the diagnostic that told me that I wasn't a very good stander. Mm. Right. Right. So being in the push-up position. Yeah. Um, like yeah, I can sag and it'll feel good for a few seconds, but then mm. the the lower back will start complaining.
0: And you have to sound, You have to arch or put your bum up or tent or something, right? Or shift right. your weight from left to right, or come up with some other temporary fix, and like, none of them make you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah. that,
1: so yeah. that just that length of time is like a uh, yeah. You know, an X-ray, a postural X-ray, as opposed mm-hmm. to a you know a, a static structural X-ray.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, and of course, in terms of the benefits, you can you know the more time you'd spend with your spine loaded or your joints loaded and especially if you're moving them through range as well just loading the joints and loading the bones in the same way that qigong does for a, like a, and tai chi does i think for as a health practice in china it improves bone density right there's been studies i think on qigong and tai chi that show that it improves bone density in um, elderly chinese people relative to People in the West who just mm. spend most of the time flopped into floppy couches and you know they have enormous bone density in some areas and not enough in others and suffer from more osteoporosis and things like that. Right? Mm. Um, so just that idea that you're loading the bones, right, and therefore encouraging them to regrow. Because, again, they're constantly regrowing. They don't just grow and stay there, right. They're being chipped away at and regrowing the whole time. So just stimulating them with that level of weight, that ability to kind of support themselves is a mm. huge thing for just... Getting older as well, um, and then structurally also this idea that keeping straight alignment with your body, and this is this is also you know, I think looked at also in Ayurveda and a couple of other systems as well, improves other things that are less obvious like digestion right the whole idea that if you yeah. squish your body up the whole time and your visceral organs are kind of squashed into your body that it's literally you're not getting as much much blood flow to the visceral organs as you could and therefore it's harder to clear things and it's harder to deliver enzymes to the air it's harder for the liver to do its job it's harder just to move the physical bolus of food and yeah. all the turd through there right it's, it's just much harder work for your body or even the position you take a shit in. you know literally you know, you know just kind of sitting down the toilet or hunched over your iphone or something right it's, it's your rectum's in the wrong alignment or like if you practice squatting in good alignment then you get better at shitting i mean like right. who doesn't yeah. need to get better at shitting yeah. not,
1: not, to, not to be an advertisement for all, for long distance running yeah but we <laughs> we yeah. shit in the proper position a lot because we're right. you know 40 miles from anywhere right <laughs> you know the, the trick is to find a tree that uh, you can grab onto but like there's, there's not a lot of time to sit and read right when, yeah. you're, when you're squatting yeah you know, through three with your rectum three inches from the ground <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, which brings us neatly onto relaxation. <laughs> so yeah, so, this, um, so this, this might be one of them, might be the single most important principle to me that may be between breathing and relaxation in terms of health, right, because breathing is like the trans, it's kind of the transcendent principle that informs all of the others. Breathing helps you to figure out whether your posture is bad breathing helps, your breathing will tell you if your movement is poor, right, immediately. Mm -hmm. So it's a diagnostic tool, and it's also a way of reinforcing and fixing those things as well, right? So breathing is enormous and goes across all of those things, right? Um, And there's studies probably more recently associated with like Wim Hof and his breathing method and things like that that have shown that it does have Breathing techniques have an effect on immunity or even like resistance to toxins, right? Mm -hmm. They've trained people for short periods of time at breathing and recovery to change their blood chemistry and and withstand more pain or withstand more cold tolerance. So it's becoming more mainstream now, this idea that breathing does a lot more than just deliver O2 to your system, right? And and clear metabolites in the form of CO2, right? It does a lot more than that. Um, And we delve so deeply into that, right? Um, In so many different ways. Um, But the idea of relaxation, that what we should be, looking for is kind of like a controlled relaxation in our bodies like a poise where we're kind of where we feel comfortable and powerful at the same time right this is huge to me like if there's one mindset that can come out of extended periods of sistema practice that that is the most beneficial for health I think it's this Honestly, because you can tell somebody to become like a posture Nazi, right? And be like, no matter what happens, keep your back straight all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the one thing that they do, then they can have enormous tension. They can not be breathing properly, where they're keeping their abs too tight all the time, squashing everything in, right? Um, and they can be doing any number of other things wrong, and they could be stressed out all the way through their day, right? I, I know, I can picture people immediately that I know that are stressed out terribly all the time, but they have this rigid, upright military like straight posture. And so in some ways you're like, he's got great posture and it seems to be making it miserable <laughs> because he's using so much tension to hold it like kind of this way, right? So that's one thing. And then you can get people who have become movement fanatics and they're like, yeah, I'm going to be able to do cartwheels and flips and capoeira and diving and rolling, things like that. Um, but they're still not as healthy as you think they would be, right? They have this animalistic kind of fluidity to them, um, but it doesn't make them approach everyday life in any different way. They don't look any more comfortable themselves, right? So even somebody like Ido Portel, you know, who's enormously strong, enormously mobile, he just seems angry all the time. I look at his face, watch Mm. him on videos, he's pissed off about everything. It's just like, it doesn't seem to be working for you, man, you know, (laughs) know, whatever it's gonna be, you know? Um, But this idea that, above all else, what you should seek to do in your daily existence, is to notice your state, right? And then be like, is this out of whack right now or not, right? Are you being natural in the world? Are you, are you feeling like you're comfortable psychologically and physically? And that, yeah, posture will play into that and how you move will play into that. But, but that mindset of trying to achieve like a powerful poised relaxation, to me, that's kind of in the middle of the Venn diagram, right? If you get all the other things right, then that is achieved. And if you bear that in mind, it's more likely you'll get the other things right. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I mean, ultimately those are four words that we've created for mm. a, a holistic state that involves all of them. You can't really separate sure. breathing from movement, from structure, from yeah. from relaxation. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and I love that you're getting into like psychological health. Yeah. Because um, there's, you know, there's certain psychological states that are again it's like thunder and lightning to me it's like it's the musculature and it's the psychology yeah which one do you want to touch mm. they're gonna to, they're gonna influence each other but i think muscles are much it's harder to influence the muscles through the mind right Than to influence the mind through the muscles yeah so you know i know people who i would consider like psychological like tight-assed yeah mm-hmm. All Right. and guess what literally their their pelvic muscles are clamped yeah. down mm. and and through systema mm when you know, there's realizations that come that I've seen people like, just, be, just chill.
0: Yeah, yeah, because they get freer like, and more relaxed. Yeah, and that's a cool thing. So coming back to Wayne Jonas and his talking about different ways of looking at um, medicine as well, as it relates to mental health. Again, the approach is either, it's diagnostic typically. It's like, let's put a label on it. Let's figure out whether you've got ADD or whether you have bipolar disorder or whether you have schizophrenia, which in itself might be a complete folly. Right, everybody's like a map of their trauma and what's going on, and all you're really doing is is describing one facet of somebody's past and, and trauma. And
1: when you look at the there. Diagnostic mm. and Statistical Manual, yeah, it's a joke. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like throwing darts. Yeah, yeah. There's no, you know, it's like a disease. Is oh, you have high cholesterol and your blood, you know, ejection fractures, fraction is mm. such. There's no, there's no, there's no physical symptoms of, of mm. mental illness. Yeah. Right. This is this is a a social construct and mm. every society has different flavors of mental illness through, sure. through through history. Yeah. You know, 150 years ago, young girls were diagnosed with neurasthenia and they were fainting all the time. You sure. Upper class girls. Right. And we don't have that anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Now we have different things. Yeah. And they're usually diagnosed through like recurrent behaviors, right? Like, and I was reading recently, man, what was it I was reading? Something, uh, I think it was, um, I was rereading The the Body Keeps the Score, The Bessel of Anderkoek. Yeah. And he's talking about, because he was, uh, you know, one of the instigators of pharmacological treatments for behavioral disorders, right, and mental disorders. So he was at the forefront of, hey, let's find a medicine for this, yeah. and then became disillusioned with how that became the only way of looking at it, right? That plus talk therapy, both of which seemed to have like limited, yeah. like were a part of the puzzle, but certainly weren't solving the puzzle, and just looking at it through that lens seemed to just wipe out almost any other possibility of working, right? Um, and this idea that once, you know, by the time they're like 30 or something, Like somebody... uh, Somebody diagnosed as a child might have had 12 different diagnoses, none of which describe their entire condition, right? It's just they're just describing different aspects of their behavior, all the way through to like oppositional defiant disorder for children now, which is like they, they pissed you off and they won't do what you said. You know, like, <laughs> that's a disorder for children. I think pretty much all of them have it right? at some point. You know, it's like, it's how is that a disorder? That's like childhood.
1: Yeah, it's and, like, yeah, and and you know, when you're 30 years old and you live in this society, I think being mm. oppositionally defiant to certain things is, yeah. not, is not a it, like coming
0: yeah. yeah, totally. But, um, but this idea that if you, if you can't treat it with a pill, if you can't take one symptom or one behavior and then cure that with a pill, and usually you can't because human behavior is very complex. So even if you do manage to alter one behavior, like the tendency towards anxiety in social situations, right, and you give somebody a pill that basically short circuits part of the anxiety response, right, it's, it's going to have effects in so many other areas that maybe you might require a bit of anxiety might maybe you might need to listen to that fear response in order to like understand the danger that you're in and and you might open yourself up to abusive or relationships and things like that right because you didn't have enough of it or or maybe it just um pushed you too far the other way and then dips you into kind of like a a a flatness or a a depression or the side effects as well that you can have physiologically in terms of weight gain and things like that so it's very rarely you're going to cure a behaviour with one pill, right? You might change some aspect of it, but there's going to be some other knock-on behaviour that happens. So this this idea of just looking at one and then trying to fix one behaviour is, it's kind of it doesn't make any sense from a mental health perspective at all. I mean, even in terms of the complexity of the body, trying to fix a body problem doesn't make any sense to me. But trying to fix a mind problem with like one tiny intervention doesn't work either. But like, um, so Bessel van der Kolk in in that book like uh, talks about. The, the importance of getting to the body first right the body is what keeps the score of past traumas right so that body centered therapies things that look at you from the neck down can be critical right in in erasing what's going on and he talks about yoga he talks about martial arts he talks about um he talks about even things like equine therapy like like you know um,
1: theater singing. theater
0: yeah theater singing like reenacting doing things with your body that mimic what it was that you were doing when you felt unsafe, but doing it in a safe control environment so that your body can make a different association and let go, right? And how much of this, how much of the body, the limbic system you include in the body is up to you, right? You, but it's kind of a, it's a false separation, right? Between the body and, the, and at least the limbic brain and the primitive brain in this kind of sense. So again, what Systema does with that whole idea of trying to find um, poise and comfort and relaxation is that on a on base level, it's like, okay, let's take account of what's going on in my internal state and including emotions, including things that are happening to my body as I sense things, right? Not feelings, not like the impression of happiness or the impression of fear, but like actually what does fear feel like? Let's find out what fear feels like and then identifying that signature very, very closely and then experiencing it on purpose. And then flattening ourselves out, experiencing safety and what that feels like, and then doing it again and again and again, and even attempting to generate a feeling of safety in the midst of pressure. Right? That's mm-hmm. it's revolutionary. That's I mean it's it's, an, it's a jump beyond what most therapies even try to do. So I think for for mental health alone, the the capacity for systema and you know some other like Eastern healing modalities as well, like in this yoga can do that as well. Right? Um But I I think it's uniquely valuable right and it shouldn't be considered just like a oh, it's like an alternative thing it's like it should be a core part of the puzzle like some aspect of that should be a core part of your self-directed
1: healing right and for me the, a difference between Sistema and yoga is that systema puts you in scary situations on purpose right and hopefully you know encourages you to titrate them to to your level of, of challenge yeah um, but like one, one question I have is you, you've been talking about you know, movement and posture and, and mm. uh, you know, body structures under pressure. Mm. And how much of that could, could be d- done, could be given to people without the martial aspects?
0: That's a, that's a question I'm constantly asking myself, right? And trying to deliver myself as well through other things, because I do in stress interventions that are about 20% systema and about 80%. Theory and behavioral modification and other things that have worked for Western science, right? So like, like Wayne Jonas, I'm trying to pull in, but specifically in this field. Like our good friend Gabe Stern, uh, you know, he's trained in Western medicine and in Chinese herbal medicine, right? And he just did fantastic work with my son. Got him out Says so a core example. So my son was diagnosed with periodic fever syndrome, which means that he gets fevers and they don't know why, like mm-hmm. again and again. And I was offered no greater um, course of action than he'll grow out of it like within four to five years. So like every six weeks he'll get a 105 fever for about four or five years and he's gonna miss a bunch of school and you're gonna have to figure out childcare and not work and things. For four or five years, wait it out. Or we could operate on him, take his tonsils out. Probably won't make a difference, but it might, right? Or you can have a surgery, right? Like, and I'm like, probably won't make a difference? Then what's the point in that, you know? And that was all they could give me. Gabe intervened and touched wood after six weeks of intervention. He hasn't had a recurrence he went when he went into the first cycle of the fever he gave him some chinese herbs that drove up the fever instead of controlling it with tylenol and the standard Mm. kind of other thing like that he was miserable for 24 hours and ravenous eating like a horse and robust for ever since then right Mm. and now he's off on a trip with his family up to you know like up to pennsylvania so that's a core example of where You know, something that you diagnose one thing, give a useless diagnosis that means nothing, and then offer nothing holistically helpful, right? Mm -hmm. But it works. So, well, and and, and their
1: suggestion was to suppress symptoms.
0: Right. Yeah. Suppress symptoms instead of like actually, in some instances, the symptom can be helpful. uh, Right. Well, if you
1: trust the body, sure. Then then a lot of the time, the symptom, you see the symptoms as healing.
0: Yeah. Totally. But, But to the point that Gabe is on that confluence of like eastern and western medicine he's constantly trying to bring in things from that he's learned from chinese medicine and then figure out what the etiology is from like a western point of view because he doesn't like being the snake oil guy he doesn't like being like well this is because of this channel like he's like he he likes being able to tell you what the pharmacology of the plant that he's giving you is and what it works on and he likes being able to tell you what it's doing to your fascial chains and your muscles and your nervous system as he's doing acupuncture or as he's doing like a, a physical intervention so he's fascinating in that way and i'm trying to do the same kind of thing for um, mental health as it relates to stress right? I'm trying to pull in like how much of I can see how useful this is and I'm trying to pull in as much as I can of this and other disciplines as well that just seem to be on the fringes of what people are going to try um, and then make them available to people so that they have agency over their own stress behaviors right? so they don't have to go to the doctor and say fix me, fix my stress that they feel like that they've got tools for themselves to work because that's what Sistema does for me but to your point uh, I don't know how much of that is a result of getting punched and showing up again and again and just putting hours and hours in. And, and, and frankly, the social group as well, you know, being with a group of people who support that endeavor. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure how much of this you could do on your own and get exactly the same benefit. I do know people that train on their own, they travel a lot and they train Systema a lot on their own. But I don't know anybody who's only ever done that and has never trained with a Systema group right? At least those people tend to train with the group once in a while. Um, so it's, it's it's hard to separate those things out. And that's a question that I guess I'm going to be asking, answering over the next couple of years with results alone.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, I, I, in the healing work that I do with Wellstar, yeah. we, like, the, the way we think about it is like, without necessarily having the scientific proof, it just makes sense that human beings thrive in environments where human beings should live, like mm. where we, how we have evolved, sure. which involves you know moving around in the outdoors, in the yeah. outdoors, mm. uh, you know dealing with the outdoors with mm. heat, with cold, with itchiness, with uh, mm. re- with damp, with dry, mm. um, eating the food that would have been available to us. So certainly mm. whole foods, and we can mm-hmm. argue about the percentage of animal versus veget- sure. vegetal matter. But in, even in if you bed. are
0: eating animal, like it will be animal in. Practically available quantities, right? Yes. It wouldn't be. <laughs> it, yeah, freezers,
1: yeah. freezers, and yeah, yeah and um, you know, butcheries are not part of the equation for sure. the people who do it, mm. right? So yeah, so looking for the natural and like how high, it's really hard to be healthy if you are not mm. living a natural life. I always think about you know, as a kid. I remember reading an article in the paper about the depressed polar bear at the Central Park Zoo. Mm. And they couldn't understand why the polar bear was depressed. Mm-hmm. Like, so. like I went to look at the Central Park Zoo, like. I was like 9 years old like I know why the polar bears <laughs> <Yes. laughs> it's in the central park zone. <laughs> That's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. yeah, true enough. Yeah.
1: You know that that systema in in a way it's you know part of this like you know Fight Club mm. ethos is like we are we are breaking some rules of how human beings have decided to be with each other mm. and we're moving into a more natural mm. you know, in a safe controlled environment but yeah. Like it's not okay to punch people in the face out there.
0: Typically. Yeah, not yeah in the typical civil environment. Yeah, it's like it. Right?
1: And I remember yeah. the first time I was I was doing an exercise where I was getting punched in the face. I was getting really exercise. You know, mm. I was getting really upset.
0: Sure. Yeah. Very
1: angry at Nguyen. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, it was mm. well, yeah, it was hurting, but it wasn't damaging.
0: Sure. Yeah. But yeah.
1: It, you know, it's taken me a long time. Yeah. And I feel like I am a, I am a healthier person for having, had that experience.
0: Right. Well. Wow. in about half an hour we'll be testing that thesis again because we're off to the, the day class where we'll, we'll be striking and punching each other in the face okay. <laughs> so let's go get uh, go get very natural <laughs> That's good, sir. well thanks very much for taking the time again Howie and uh, look forward to talking to you again next time very good thanks for listening if you'd like to find out more about classes workshops and seminars at NC Systema please visit us online at www.ncsystema.com.